Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, we're carrying on with this series, Cleaning House. Really, what it is, as the slide says, it's an introduction to idolatry for the modern Christian. I mean, that sounds a bit serious, doesn't it, really? Sounds, whenever you say the word idolatry, idolatry is when basically we rely on something else other than God for our sustenance and the way that we live our lives. You know, if you rely on, if we rely on anything or put anything before, before Jesus, then that is classed as, that we would call that an idol. In the Old Testament, they had figures or uh, calves. In, there was a story, wasn't there, with Moses when he went up the mountain. While he was up there, the people got bored and they were like, where's Moses? We're, we, we, he's, this fella's disappeared. I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll build a, a golden cow and we'll worship it so that we can be like all the other nations around us. Yeah, and God doesn't want us to be like all the people around us. He wants us to be a people that are marked out for him. And so, um, a, a, a song that we used to sing in the... This, I love talking about old songs and reminiscing. I quite like the Gathers, if ever you've heard of the Gathers. American, American band, yeah. There's a lot of sign in the room. But um, they, there's a song that we used to sing which kind of summed up and was a good check in your heart as to whether idols were an issue, like whether anything else in your life was, uh, was overtaking Jesus. And it was a song that, that just simply said, Jesus, we enthrone you. We proclaim you as king. Standing here in the midst of us, we lift you up with our praise. And as we worship, build a throne. And I think really, if you want to know whether, whether if we want to have a test about whether we have idols in our lives, it's very simple what we need to do is we need to just ask ourselves the, the tough question, who is, in the, who is on the throne of our hearts? Who is on the throne of our hearts? If Jesus is first on the throne of our hearts, then everything else kind of pales into insignificance. Because I've titled my preach this evening, Temples are no place for compromise. Because... It's a, it's a contradiction in terms. If you have a temple, then obviously that temple has been set up for the worship of something. And if anything else comes into that temple, then it's no longer an exclusive place of worship for that deity or that God. Now listen, Life Church, the Bible describes you and me as the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you and me are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that means that the person who should be of first importance, the person who should be enthroned in our lives, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He, if, he, if, our, if, if, our, if our bodies, our temples belong to Him, then He should be the one that is enthroned in our lives. And um, I think... The reason why, over these next, we did it last week, we got it this week and next week as well. I think the reason why we're talking about this at this time is um, I just kind of had a picture 
of and was reminded about this building that we took on last year, this Bethel building. And the last 10 months have really been a process of cleaning house, just getting things ready. You know, when, when you're getting ready to do something or go somewhere, there's a process that you go through to prepare. And I feel that the Lord is reminding us about these things, about who is number one. I mean, it's a very basic thing, isn't it? Who is number one in our lives? Who, who is the person who has our hearts? Who is the person who is most important to us? I feel the Lord is reminding us about these things because he's getting us ready. He's getting us ready for whatever is next in our lives. And if we're going to be prepared, and if we're going to be ready to do what God wants to do with our lives next, in order to be best prepared and ready, we need to ensure that in our own lives that Jesus is enthroned in our lives as number one. And in the world that we live in, there is so much opportunity for this word that I'm going to talk about with us tonight. Compromise. Compromise. And I don't believe that as followers of Jesus, that God wants us to compromise on the things that are important to him. And in the Old Testament, this was true. And in the New Testament, this was true. In the Old Testament, the challenge to not compromise was put like this. Deuteronomy 5.32 Be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside from it to the right or to the left. You see, God doesn't give much room for compromise there. And in the New Testament, Jesus, his love language is obedience. Okay, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So whenever we stray from Jesus' commands or the teaching of the Bible, what happens is, what we're doing is we're compromising. And this evening, we're going to look at a character in the Bible called Solomon. And uh, you can find this in 1 Kings 11, if you've got a Bible with you. I'm going to read it to you in a moment. We're going to read verses 1 to 13. Solomon was the third king of Israel, and his, I think it was his issue, but it wasn't the root of the matter. As we read the text together, we will see that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Yeah? 700 wives and three. Now, there's all kinds of, re- I don't know why that was, and there's just something that's not right about that. But it happened, yeah? And, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but the thought of 700 wives is not something that enthralls me. Like, I'm very happy with the one that I have. But he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. The thing is, Life Church, what I'm talking about tonight, I'm, I'm not talking about the fact that really that was really compromising God's best for his life, yeah? Clearly that was. But tonight, I don't want to particularly talk about the, issue of se- the issues of sexuality. There was a deeper thing that was at work in Solomon's life. There was a re- the reason why he had all, the, all of these wives and concubines, but particularly wives, is because what Solomon had done is he had compromised in terms of his absolute trust and security being in God alone. The reason I say that is, when we read the text, 
and when we delve into Solomon a little bit more, we will see that he didn't necessarily marry all these different wives because he kind of desired them or he wanted to be with them. The reason why he did that was because the Bible says that he wanted to make um, pacts and compromises with the nations around him in order that his nation could be secure. What Solomon should have done is he should have trusted God for his security, but instead of trusting God for his security, what he did is he intermarried with the nations around him. And that was something that God said that he should not do. God said to the the nation of Israel, do not marry women from other nations because what will happen is they will turn your hearts towards their gods and you will worship them rather than worshiping me. That was the problem. That was the compromise that Solomon had. And for us, Life Church, we might think, well, I'm not going to be marrying 700 wives. I don't have 300 concubines. You know, I'm not compromising like Solomon. No, we don't have all those wives. We don't have all those concubines. But, Life Church, I reckon that when we examine our hearts, there are moments, there are things. There are relationships that we give ourselves to more than to God because we don't find our absolute security and our contentment in Jesus alone. Now listen, if we are temples of the Holy Spirit, which we are, we need to, we need to come to that place in our lives where we can honestly say, Christ is enough for me. Jesus, you are enough for me. And that's not an easy thing to do. You know, cost of living crisis, it can be, it, you know, that is a massive challenge. There can be relationships in our, in our lives that we kind of lean on and rely on, maybe too unhealthily sometimes. I understand that these can be real challenges, but ultimately, Life Church this evening, as followers of Jesus, if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, if He is Lord of our lives, then we need to be in that place where we often sing the 1980s chorus. Jesus, we enthrone you, we proclaim you as king. Jesus, you are enough for me. I choose to put my security and my faith and my trust in you. Even though life is bumpy and there are lots of things happening in the world today, I choose not to put my faith in that stuff, but I choose to put my faith in you alone. As we look at Solomon, we see a guy who massively compromised. Because he did not put his trust in God. He put his trust in uh, agreements that he made with others through marriage. So, 1 Kings 11 verses 1 to 13. Let's read and be encouraged how badly Solomon got it wrong. So we can feel good about ourselves a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, verse 1. The Bible says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidomites, and Hittites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. 
and his heart was no longer fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of, of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon, it's such a sad thing that the Bible says about Solomon here. Because Solomon, he was commissioned with some like really serious stuff. Like third king of Israel was King Saul, then it was King David, then it was King Solomon, yeah? And Solomon was commissioned building the temple. But yet, when we read this verse here, and Life Church tonight, this should challenge us just to ensure that our lives do not have compromise in them. Because I don't want this to be said of me. It's such a sad verse. Verse 6, it says, So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. On the hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moa, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. So basically, Solomon got it really wrong. He got it really wrong because of the initial compromise, because he made pacts with local nations in order to keep peace instead of trusting God to bring the peace. And the thing that's really sad there, and we'll come back to it in a little while, is that he built, the Bible says that he built shrines east of Jerusalem on the hill. The hill east of Jerusalem is, is probably like the Mount of Olives. You can see the temple that Solomon built from the Mount of Olives. Like it's just across the valley. It's kind of a real sad reflection of the compromise that Solomon found himself in simply because he didn't do what God had asked him to do. Simple instruction. Listen, Solomon, this is a simple instruction. If you don't want compromise to come into your life, don't marry the wives of the nations around where you are. Just don't do it. And we see that because he did do that, he found himself in massive compromise. He made alliances with nations around him. So three things. I always bring you three things, Life Church. all right? The Lord does it through me, though. So if you have a problem, speak to him about it. All right. Three things. Sometimes he gives me four and I say, no, Lord, you got it wrong. It's, de- <laughs> it's definitely three. It's definitely three. Yeah. By the way, as I, as I came up to preach, Liverpool were one goal away from winning the league. Yeah? One goal away. So I know I, f- I forgive you if any of you check your phones during the preach, all right? Be released. Check away. Please, 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 don't, please don't punch the air, though. All right, let's stay focused. Okay, here we go. First thing is, compromise starts with looking at your phone during church. No, it doesn't say that. Compromise starts with drift. Compromise starts with drift. Listen to this story. In 1979, a passenger jet carrying 257 people left New Zealand for a sightseeing flight to the Antarctica and back. Unknown to the pilots, there was a minor two-degree error on the flight coordinates. This placed the aircraft 28 miles to the east of where the pilots thought they were. As they approached Antarctica, the pilots descended to a lower altitude to give the passengers a better look at the landscape. 
Although both were experienced pilots, neither had made this particular flight before. They had no way of knowing that the incorrect coordinates had, been, had placed them directly in the, mount of, in the path of Mount Erubus, an active volcano that rises from the frozen landscape to a height of more than 12,000 feet. Sadly, the plane crashed into the side of the volcano, killing everyone on board. It was a tragedy brought on by a minor error, a matter of only a few degrees. Experts in air navigation have a rule of thumb known as the 160 rule. It states that for every one degree a plane veers off course, it misses its target destination by one mile for every 60 miles you fly. This means the further you travel, the further you are from your destination. Life Church, this evening I want to remind us that compromise starts with drift. Look at this quote that's coming up on the screen now. Saint Paisos of Mount Athos said this, Evil comes in small steps. If it were to come all at once, we would not be deceived. Evil comes in small steps. If it were to come all at once, we would not be deceived. As we look at our lives, we need to understand that actually to drift off course by one degree for a moment can be easily corrected. And I think that is the art of searching our hearts and looking at our lives with compromise. Listen, all of us are going to come into moments of compromise. There are going to be moments where we don't get it right. There are going to be moments where we sing, Jesus, we enthrone you. Or actually, oh, Jesus, you're not on the throne of my life. That's where you need to be. And the key, the, 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 the secret is that in those moments that we respond quickly. Because if we're one degree off just for a small amount of time, we can get right back on course again. But the challenge comes, Life Church, when our lives might be just drifting just a little bit, but it carries on day after day, week after week, and then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a spiritual landscape that actually is unrecognisable. As we look at the life of Solomon, there would have been a moment when, for the first time, he compromised. The first, he had 700 wives. He didn't marry them all at once. There would have been a time where in his, in his heart and in his mind, he would have been reminded about what God said, don't marry the wives of foreign nations around because they will turn your hearts towards their gods and towards idols. But there was a moment where Solomon chose to ignore that advice. And for whatever reason, the people around him didn't tell him. His heart didn't tell him because he wanted to trust in an alliance with another nation rather than trusting in God for his security. It says in 1 Kings 3 verse 1, this is the first time I can see in the scripture that he made this compromise. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh king of Egypt and married his daughter. See, that was the first time he compromised. He made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God didn't want him to make an alliance. God wanted them to be a nation that trusted him, God, for their security. And because of that, they chose not to trust God. God had said, trust me. Solomon was saying, I'm going to trust me. I'm not going to trust you. And so in our lives, we need to be careful because what happens is that as 
that as there's the drift of compromise in our lives, what can happen is we begin to justify sin as no longer being sin. Because like we just have a little look at that stuff that really we shouldn't look at, or we just say a little bit of whatever we say about that person that we shouldn't say. So sexual immorality or gossip comes into our lives. And rather than challenging it, we leave it and we carry on and the drift carries on and the drift carries on. And then we don't tell the truth in that situation. But it was, it wasn't, I wasn't really being untruthful, I just didn't say the whole truth. And what happens? The drift carries on, the drift carries on. And so Life Church, this, this evening we need to remind ourselves that Jesus said, trust in me. Let's trust him. Let's do the right thing. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Jesus said, deny yourself and follow me. Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. There needs to be those moments in our lives where we recalibrate. Recalibrate. Tonight is an opportunity for us to recalibrate. You might be one degree off tonight. You might not be any degrees off. You might be ten degrees off. Compromise starts with a drift. And tonight... We can recalibrate. I'd encourage you to do that. So first thing, compromise starts with the drift. Second thing, compromise festers when we look to idols instead of God for a sense of confidence and safety. The Bible says in verse 9 of the chapter we read together, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Imagine that. God appeared to you twice. God appeared to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3 and 1 Kings chapter 9. God appears to him. Like, they would have, those would have been holy moments. Amazing that God would appear to Solomon and speak to him and interact with him. But what we need to understand, Life Church, is that we can't rely on the past as to where our compromise is today. We can't rely on past visitations. We need to reflect upon our lives today as to where we are in terms of compromise and the drift that might come to our lives. Tim Keller, in his book, Counterfeit God, says this, anything that becomes more important and non-negotiable to us than God is an enslaving idol. And we look to these idols instead of God for a sense of confidence and safety. Confidence and safety, yeah? Whenever we put our confidence in anything other than God, what we're doing is we're making that an idol. We need to be able to say, God, you're enough for me. Christ, you're enough for me. Jesus, I enthrone you. I proclaim you as my king. Final thing. And this is, this is important because tonight I bring you a message of reconciliation. That our God is not a God who writes us off. But even if we have compromise in our lives. Maybe we've never said yes to Jesus before. You know, maybe our whole life we've not really thought about God. The great thing is tonight, as we read this scripture, we see that there's that continuous invitation to come and to be reconciled with God. To, to be able to sing that song, Jesus, we enthrone you, and to really mean it for that to be our experience. 
Compromise is cancelled by a repentant heart. David, Solomon's father, is also mentioned in the text. And it's interesting, I found it interesting anyway, when you, com- when you compare David and Solomon, they both compromised. Both compromised. David did a massive compromise, yeah? David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he was a murderer. He, mar- he murdered Bathsheba's um, husband so that he could marry her. Massive compromises. Solomon, massive compromises. Marrying all of these different women from around the nations in order to make um, agreements and alliances with other nations that he should never have got involved in. Yet the text talks fondly and positively about David, but it doesn't talk about that, about Solomon. Why is that? Well, I think it's because of this. I think it's because David pursues the language of repentance. David pursues... So David compromises and he messes up. And what happens? We see that in Psalm 51, David says these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, compromise, messes up, recognises it, says create in me a clean heart, O Lord. You see... What happens is David pursues the language of repentance. And this evening, all of us can do that. We can know what it is to say, well, Lord, I'm sorry for the way that I have compromised in this particular area of my life. I am choosing tonight to recalibrate my life, actually to to stop doing that stuff and get myself back fixed on you. I'm not going off degrees to the left. I'm not drifting. What does Solomon do? Solomon, Phoebe, Solomon pursues the fruit of compromise. So Solomon stayed in compromise. He invited and lived with compromise in his temple. On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he built a pagan shrine for, the, for, the, for, for Komesh, the detestable god of Moab. He also um, built a, a temple to Molech. Even though he was compromising, he chose to continue to live in compromise and did it within sight of the temple where God was to be worshipped. It was an abomination. We need to understand that in our lives, life church, that we can't, if we're going to follow Jesus, we can't be mixing the two, two things together. Like where Solomon was going was just destruction. I'll have my temple where I worship God over here, and on the Mount of Olives over here, I will choose to worship who I want. Like That did not please God. And there were consequences for that. Mixing godliness and ungodliness is compromise. And God didn't like it. Tonight, though, Life Church, we choose to pursue the language of repentance. That's what we choose to do. So three things to help us three one-liners to help us this evening. Number one, Life Church, I, en- I encourage you, fly fixed on the right bearings. Yeah? The right bearing is this. Listen to this. This is what the Bible says. This is all the air traffic control navigation you will need this evening. Yeah? Hebrews 12. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. If you want to know if your life has drift, compare it to Jesus. Okay, He is the plumb line. He is the standard. He's the one that we seek to become like. So number one, fix, fly fixed on the right bearings. Number two, fly with strength. Be intentional about feeding your spiritual man and your spiritual woman. Be with Jesus in prayer and in his word. Find fellowship with other Christians. Share life with them. And finally, don't fly alone. Open your life to other Christ followers in community. And what will happen when we do those things, we stop the drift. It's much more difficult for compromise to come into our lives where we fix our eyes on Jesus, we feed our spiritual man, and we place our lives around other Christians. Because what happens is we share lives with others, we all have blind spots, and people can help us with those blind spots so that we don't drift. Good. Just bow our heads as we finish this evening. I'm going to read a scripture to us. And as I read that, this scripture to us, I just want us to reflect on the words of the scripture. I'm going to read it twice. So I'll read it once through and then I'll read it again. And as I read it a second time, you just agree with it in your heart. It's from Psalm 86 and verse 11. And this is what it says. I'll read it twice. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Because Life Church, and I'll read it in a moment, when we rely on his faithfulness, there is no space for idols to dwell. And when we have an undivided heart, what we do is we fill that space that Jesus wants in our lives, that whole space, we fill it all with him. And as we fill it all with him, there simply is no room for anything else. So I'll read it again, Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I, I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Father, this evening, I pray that we will, as your people, continually be preparing ourselves, Lord, for what you have next for us. Lord, this evening, we want to be vessels that are useful to you. We want to be vessels that are clean and set apart for you. And Lord, I pray this evening that even as we go away and as we reflect upon what we've heard this evening, that we'll just be reminded about that very simple song. Like Jesus, we enthrone you, we proclaim you as king. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we maybe just say those two lines to ourselves, that there would just be that sense of you helping us just to ensure that you really are enthroned in our lives. Lord, thank you this evening so much that as your followers, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we don't want anything else to take that space up. Lord, you deserve to have our full attention. And Lord, I pray that as we continue on this journey of following you as your disciples, that you will help us, help us to make those choices every day that indicate that our trust is in you 
that we don't look to anything else for security, that Jesus, you are enough, and that we have undivided hearts. Amen. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.